mental health knowledge. Dr. Ryan Howes, psychologist in Pasadena, California. And I'm Dr. Brooke Lewis, a registered clinical counselor from Coquitlam in the greater Vancouver area. Oh boy. Um, I'm Joanna Boyd, also a registered clinical counselor from the greater Vancouver area. I'm Chris Boyd, psychotherapist from Coquitlam. Right on. Welcome, everybody. I was just listening to a book. I I've listened to other books other than our book club books, although we should announce what our next one is. To yes. Be decided. Yes, we did decide. Um, I was listening to a book by Seth Rogen, oh. kind of an autobiography book from Seth Rogen. And I, I hadn't realized, like you guys always talk about your Ryan Reynolds, but I, for, I didn't realize that Seth Rogen grew up in Vancouver area. Yeah. Yeah. He's a local guy. Mm -hmm. Totally. I listened to that as well. Oh, did you? Oh, did yeah, you? Yeah, Jesse and I listened to it on a few car rides, but uh, yeah, it's great because he does it. He's uh, for Audible, but he has like, his parents are his parents, like everyone. He has probably like 80 people who kind of guest star in it. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he went to uh, Kitsilano High in Vancouver. <laughs> And his sister, I think, is a therapist because I think she's on my, our colleague, Paula, I think she's on her team out in oh. Fraser Health. I'm quite certain. But. Wow. That's cool. That's pretty yeah. wild. I wonder if she wants to be a guest on the podcast one time. Just yeah. Just because she's Seth Rogen's sister and it might be kind of interesting. Yeah, I'll Let's... double check my facts, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. She's in our line of work. Let's make the invite. I love it. Uh, yeah, that's... Oh, and I listened to another book, actually, that featured a, a local. Um, I, was, I was driving around a lot, so I was listening to a lot of books. Uh, this book was called... Sorry. Uh, not that one. Oh, yeah. Adventures in Opting Out by Kate Flanders. Is that name familiar? No. Is she she's, from the Vancouver area as well? Totally. In fact, she may be from, I think she was from Port Moody. Oh. In fact. Hmm. That, that is extremely local then. Yes. Yes, exactly. She. This was a book, uh, it's about someone who, this young woman decided that she was kind of, she's still only, I think, in her late 20s, but she's like, I'm opting out of the rat race and I'm going to go and live in other countries. I'm gonna have like slow extended vacations where she like lives somewhere for a few months and just kind of, she could, she's a freelance writer you know, and also uh, you know wrote this book. So she wants to just kind of opt out of the standard, typical young adulthood and do this kind of travel the world stuff. So kind cool. of interesting self-helpy mm -hmm. memoir thing. Would you recommend it? Is it a good read? Uh, <laughs> listen, I'll give it a, I'll give it a B. It was pretty good. It's good. A B. Okay. Interesting stuff. That didn't, didn't rattle, rattle my, my world too much, but it was, it was a good listen. I've been listening to Hidden Valley Road. Um, the one about schizophrenia. I was, I was doing it for the other book club and I never really finished it on time. So I'm finishing it now, but yeah, I'm enjoying it. I recommend it for people. Awesome. Just as another one, throwing it out there. Okay. And it's about schizophrenia, just in case for listeners who 
didn't know that. So it's a, a family who had many children, 12 children, and six or seven were diagnosed with schizophrenia. Oh. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, I'm listening to it on Audible, and then the way that it's read is very kind of just stating the facts, like, here's what happened. I, I assume the author had many interviews, like long-term interviews throughout periods of these children's lives and yeah. into their adulthood or, or with each of them as they were adults and getting their recollections and things. And it ties in some research and studies and what was going on through the decades and how research progressed into schizophrenia. Um, yeah, so far it's really good. That's great. Great. Sounds, sounds interesting. I, I listened, you know, it's part of my rotations. I'm always listening to these different kind of self-helpy books. And, uh, uh, and I realized something that I actually, I even tweeted something about this this week. I know I don't tweet all that often, but I did a tweet. Ryan Howe's PhD. Um, it's, uh, and I said, look, I think self-help books need to spend less time telling you that they're not either a not a self-help book or b that they're so much different than other self-help books yeah because self-help books do spend a lot of time doing exactly those things this yeah. is how this is why i'm not really a self-help book because i'm more of a you know life yeah. manual <laughs> or this or other self-help books tell you this stuff but i'm going to tell you this stuff like come on just tell me what you're going to tell me yeah that's great yeah, I'm on a self-help book. I'm like a men's journal. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> really not a self-help book, really. Speaking of that, though, since we're talking books, we might as well yeah. talk about our next selection, right? Yes. Which is, this is Your Brain on Food. Is that right? Yes. Think, yes. That's the so. one we chose. That's what we talked about. This is Your Brain on Food by Uma Naidu. Uma Naidu, N-A-I-D-O-O, Naidu, M-D. And it's talking about, I believe, the, the food brain connection. How does food influence our moods and our health and our overall mental well-being, right? Yeah, she, she calls herself a nutritional psychiatrist or something like that. Mm. It's on the cover of the book. I've never heard that term before, so I'm curious to see... To learn more, I think it's a budding field. This is a very, very new field, I feel, that there's uh, like naturopathic medicine that does look at how to heal your, your body and your hormones and things in um, holistic measures. And obviously others as well, herbal medicine or nutritionists, um, but really focusing on mental health and food, I think is a more of an up-and-coming newer field there's some stuff out there but there's not many people that really dig into it so i'm i'm looking forward to it this is your brain on food i i now i'm suddenly wondering if you guys gosh if you're either either old enough or if it wasn't maybe even a canadian thing but there was a a whole campaign an anti-drug campaign down here called this is your brain on drugs. Have you ever heard of oh. that? Well, isn't that the one where they crack the egg in the frying pan? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Who okay. doesn't know that one? Okay, good. All right. I didn't know if that was international or if it was just the American thing. So yes. 
this is this title of this book i think is a play on that but oh so you did have that commercial good sure did this is your brain this is your brain on drugs yes very scary <laughs> so that's our book this is your brain on food we'll be reviewing that in a few weeks so rush out get yourself a copy I think we're probably, are we all converted to listening now? Is that all we do? None of us are page turners anymore? No, that's not quite how it goes. I listen to books in the summer so I can like suntan. Mm. And I don't have to worry about like holding the book in awkward angles and shadows. Yes. Um, but now that suntanning's over, I will be reading again. Wow. Yeah, that I like I like to have actually the book, but I didn't cancel my Audible account in time, so I used that one last credit to get this one. So, <laughs> okay, yeah, all right. Well, I guess that will. <laughs> Who would have thought that your your sun tanning is actually the motivation for listening to books? That's great. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, reading I I read much faster than I listen. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you retain as much, do you think, or is it different? I think it's different. I think I retain more by reading Okay. than listening. I say that now, but then the more recent book, Bruce Perry's book, I thought was really good as an audio book because I, I think it was written to be audio. Yeah. So, yeah. That one with the, the excerpts from the shows and all that stuff, that was pretty yeah. entertaining. As a side note, quick side note on that, because I did get the hard copy of the book. So I'm going to do a basic presentation off it. But um, how they did it, Bruce Perry is in black font and mm -hmm. Oprah is in blue font. Oh, really? Oh, smart. Yeah. Interesting. And there's cool. like, it's spaced out. So when one is finished, there is a, a solid gap, maybe a half inch or an inch before the next color. And then mm. a half inch or an inch. And then, yeah. So it's very clear on who who's writing. Interesting. Yeah, it's it cost a cost of extra money to do that, but I guess we have the Oprah money. You can do whatever the heck you want. Yeah. You can make that font any color you want with Oprah money. It's a beautiful Absolutely. blue. It's very easy to read. It's not an annoying blue. It's a very lovely, easy to read blue. Right on. That sounds great. No, I just finished uh, that book, Black Swan. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. I'm uh, rereading uh, *Sapiens*. Actually, which is a fantastic book. Very different. But... Mm. It is a good book. Still have to read that one. And I've been meaning to go farther in the series. Right? Doesn't he have a couple others? He does. Yeah, I think *Sapiens* is his best one. I think. But okay, yeah, it's good stuff. Well, very cool. Well, this isn't book club night, everybody. We're just announcing the book. This is your brain on food. Go out and get it. We're here to do ambushing. Podcast ambushing. One of us knows what the topic is. The other three do not. We're back to the classic format here of the Mental Health Bootcamp podcast. And as it turns out, buckle up, everyone. Tonight's question is from Joe. It's kind of a wild oh, card. No. You never know where you're going to go with this. <laughs> no. You never know where we're going to get with a Joe question. Yep. I'm very excited. I'm, uh, I'm on my game here, ready to hit it. So when you're All ready, right. Joe, send it on down. All righty. Uh, there it goes. A little bit. Yeah. I don't know. 
I, I was just curious as to what you would say. And I think it'll be a fun little conversation. Okay, everyone, are you ready? We'll find out. I guess Maybe. we'll find out. Here we go. Here it is. Love languages. Yeah. What are they? And how can they be helpful in relationships? Bonus question. What is your love language? Yay. This is a good one. It's a great one, Joe. It's Actually, a really great one. I had a client today, Joe. Um, I was talking about love languages and he nodded. He said, yeah, I learned about that in grade 12 psychology class. Oh, that's great. But it's pretty wow. amazing how common that knowledge is. Like yeah. I would say uh, the majority of my clients, when I mention the love languages, by, I think it's Gary Chapman, right? Mm -hmm. They're they're aware of it or understand kind of the essence of it. So mm -hmm. that's good. I still have a mix. I think there's some people who know. And then the ones who don't, I'm like, Ooh, this is fun. And then there's always some people who are like, oh yeah, okay, that makes sense. Or um, yeah. Yeah. They, but you I think put it on is, the spot and have to remember what the five are. Yeah, I think they, yeah, definitely. It's good practice for sure. But yeah, I think um, I think it's relevant for kind of, you know, intimate relationships in terms of like if you have a partner, I think it's important. It could be useful for with young kids, teenagers, as well as like coworkers or even siblings, really. But um, I think he explores, I think, the coworkers, teens, kids and uh, partners more so. I believe there's books on those ones. But anyways, yeah, let's jump in. I think it's. It could be helpful for some people, hopefully. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but I actually got to interview the guy, uh, Gary Chapman, once. Oh. Yeah. And how'd it go? It was, it was great. I got to say, I, I love being able to interview different people for the Networker magazine some some stand out and he really stood out as just a genuinely warm kind friendly fella you know and he's a southern man he's from north carolina he's both a pastor and a counselor um he wrote his book actually all the way back in 92 so it's that book's been out for 29 years now um oh. and and he's just speaks about it and you know still talking about it and you know i'm sure there are new editions updated editions of the book um but uh just very generous with his time and and tells some wonderful stories it was just a delight talking with him i think he uh, by the end of the interview i think he like invited me over to his house for cobbler with his wife or something <laughs> you know just, <laughs> just a really nice sweet guy that's awesome yeah yeah it was really cool yeah. um but yes, yeah, so he he developed this. He just he again, he's a counselor and he would have people coming in talking to him about their marriage issues and just how they seem to be mismatching. You know, gosh, I, I'm doing I keep doing all these nice things for her and she doesn't appreciate it. And uh, and the wife saying, well, why won't he ever just tell me that he loves me? He can't seem to get the words out of his mouth. And he started to realize that people have these different Needs. modes, these different ways of, of communicating. Mm -hmm. um, both the way that they they give love and the way that they best receive love and sometimes there can even be a a difference there sometimes people like to do things for someone else but they like to hear the words of affirmation back so kind of an interesting way that that works but 
So he just thought, well, let me just kind of boil these things down. And he came up with the five love languages, right? So quizzing you guys, can you name them all? Yep. Let's, Let's go, go, go one, by, one by one. Okay, yeah, sure. Who's up first? Quality time. Acts of service. Quality time. No, affirmations. Words of affirmation. Words of affirmations. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Gifts. What is it? Oh, yeah. 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 Gifts. yeah. And yeah. physical touch. Physical, physical touch. touch. Yes. Yeah. These are the five. I've also heard it broken down to, to five T's before. Oh. Touch, talking, tokens. Uh, time. Time. And what's the acts of service one? Tasks. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Tasks, time, tokens, touch, talking. It would take a while for me to reprogram my brain on that one. Yeah, yeah. But don't even talk so long, like so many times about them. Yeah, yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> whatever works best for you. That's interesting. Yeah. Was that like a was that a competing self help book? So no. you came up with a, a five. No, it's probably just someone giving a talk and wanted to streamline yeah. it a little bit or something. But or it sounds like a study technique from a student. Yeah, yeah. So a way yeah. for them to help remember what they were. Yeah. Five T's. Okay. I'm kind of curious, Ryan, uh, has, has he expanded that research at all? Like, are there any other love languages that he's come across? Uh, I don't know that he has done. I don't think it really comes from research as much as it comes from just his own personal experience, frankly. That's true. Yeah. And there, there may be there may have been research studies done since then. I, I don't know about them. Okay. Um, you know, certainly it's kind of a fun thing and there are different quizzes and stuff out there for people mm -hmm. to take and like, what's your love language? And, and that's, that's fun for people to do, but as, as a actual psychological construct, I'm not so sure. Um, I did once though, actually very recently I had a, uh, <laughs> a client talking to me about, about their partner, um, Paying, paying good attention and remembering things, remembering details of what they're talking about, you know, um, like having a good memory for things like, like, oh, you know, in, in January, I said, I really like this type of flower. And then October, they bring them that type of flower, you know, they said they felt like that, that kind of memory was like a, their love language. Felt like that it's was really cool. Being like attentive, listen, I guess. Like listening. And being yeah, attentive. yeah, it's listening, but it's, it's like really deeply, you know, taking that in, holding it in your memory. And that's, yeah, that was kind of cool. But, I think that's a good one. I think that one could be added. Maybe so. Future revisions. You should uh, call up Gary and let him know. And Gary, I've got a sixth for you, buddy. Let's sit down. Let's sit down for, with some cobbler and say, let's talk this out. Yeah. <laughs> but that could be almost like a meshed, like an undertone for all of those languages, though, because if you remember that she said a certain flower, it's going to be part of the thought going behind the gift you're going to give, showing that you remembered and cared. If it's, hey, I really wanted to go check out that restaurant or go bowling, and then they choose that as a quality time activity. Yeah, right? be. that's true. Yeah, like being attentive could be an underlying theme for all those, right? Yeah, for understanding your, yeah, your person. And it's a great point. So the reason time. this was so revolutionary, the reason why people are still talking about it after 29 years is because it, it rings a bell for a lot of couples when 
they are kind of spinning their wheels, kind of trying to figure out what's what's going on. Why why are we not? We, we both seem to really love each other, but we're missing each other in some fundamental way that they don't quite understand. This concept of love languages comes up, and they, it's kind of a light bulb moment for them, and they're like, "Oh, I get it. You know, you express love by." spending quality time but i just want some gifts you know or whatever it might be yeah. and um and once they realize this is this is kind of your natural proclivity this is your style this is the way that you you express your love but this is the way that i really want to receive it then people can tweak that a little bit mm -hmm. and and kind of understand each other better you know maybe maybe that ends up ends in changing behaviors or maybe it just ends in kind of interpreting things differently like yeah. Oh, he's he's sweeping the floor as a way to tell me that he loves me. You know, I didn't really think of it that way. I just thought he was doing something. But now I realize that this is a love language and uh, people take can, can reinterpret that as a loving thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's I think one thing I like to say uh, or in describing it is I think some people have a tendency to love others the way they want to be loved or the way mm -hmm. that they receive it. And so like. And, and so learning that, oh, that actually might be different and it might not be the same is, is kind of like, oh, okay. So just because I like to be hugged doesn't mean that, you know, that's what my partner seeks or they might appreciate actually just hanging out. Um, and so I think it's just that we just got to kind of be, it helps us be a little um, more selfless and try to build empathy and, and intimacy when we kind of work on what do they need versus, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, the key takeaway from my perspective, too, is that um, understanding the yeah, first step is understand someone else's preference, then maybe show them that you love them through their preference, not not yours, right? Sure. So, um, yeah, maybe what makes sense to you is that quality time, but what they really want is that physical touch. Maybe that's, you know, it may take a bit of, uh, I don't know, courage to to express that love differently right step outside that comfort zone absolutely and you'll see this so it's funny how oftentimes when people realize this or when they when they're first approached with this maybe they hadn't heard about it before it's kind of a shock for them like like people often think that the the love language that they find to be important must be the only one like you know well I spent all afternoon with you. You know what? How could that not be? You know, I spent quality time with you. Doesn't? Why wouldn't you assume that that's love? You know, doesn't mm -hmm. everyone know that that's love? Mm -hmm. The other person's like, yeah, but you didn't do anything for me, or you, we didn't talk, or you know, something you never hugged. Really me. needed help with that thing, or yeah, 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 exactly. And so, it, it, the the eye opening oftentimes for people comes when they realize, oh, there are other ways that people experience love, and and mine isn't the only one. Mm. Um, oftentimes, like like uh, couples maybe differ in their their ideas of public displays of affection, right? One one person's like, oh, I just want to you know hug and hold your hand and you know give you big smooches in the middle of the street and all that kind of stuff. The other person's like, gross. I don't want to even. <laughs> I don't want to do that with anybody. Uh, you know, um, let's keep that behind closed doors. Yeah, it doesn't mean that they don't love each other. It just means they have a different way of of expressing it. Yeah. But, it, but it's true because if, if that you know you, you think of if someone reacted that way the other person can may take that really harshly right yes like, maybe exactly. they don't love me maybe they don't want so mm -hmm. 
yeah, the knowledge is, is super important for sure. And I find that uh, it's important to have that conversation sooner than later. And I think a lot of couples, as this love languages becomes more common knowledge, I think that's actually happening. It's kind of a fun thing to talk about, right? Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah, I think Dr. Gary Chapman, he's like, I think it's, he is toted it as just a, one of the simplest ways you can maybe improve your relationship, right? Just having that conversation and figuring out how you feel, um, how you um, feel love and express love. And yeah, totally a fun conversation. And there's that quiz you can do. I believe there's a website. Maybe it's his website or the website for the book. And it's a quick quiz that you can do to figure that out. And maybe do that with your partner, create some good conversation. Yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm quoting him from, from my little interview with him. I asked him, why, why do you think this, after all these years, this book is more popular than ever? Because it's still a bestseller, by the way. If you look on bestselling lists for, for relationships, it's still like a top five bestseller. Um, wow. He said, it's because it speaks to the deep human need to feel loved by the significant people in your life. I think that people read it and have an aha moment. They look at their relationship and realize, I think we've been missing each other. So they try speaking each other's language and it really does change the emotional climate. Um, I think the book speaks to readers because almost everybody can agree that their primary emotional need is to feel loved by the significant people in their lives. If we feel loved, we can pretty much handle the rest of life. And it's a simple idea, easy for people to understand, but not necessarily easy to do. So that's well said. Oh, yeah. good. Yeah, because it's um, like he says in that quote, people, you know, he uses that as a general, but uh, yeah. I really appreciate how the concept of this can be expanded to uh, your other family members or your yeah. children and yeah, your coworkers or these other people in your life. Just something simple to say, I see you and I value you. And let me try and connect with you in a very simple way right and so, yeah just to improve like a parent-child relationship or when they become teenagers yeah right like, great sure. speaking of which do you think uh um a person's preferences are of course influenced by their caregivers from parents yeah. do you think there's that's modeled to them oh yeah i would think if you have a parent who well, depending on the parents, um, I think love language or if they're a touchy-feely parent or some parents are pretty hands-off or they might, you know, have a lot of words of appreciation for their kids or they might be that parent who, you know, I hear sometimes in families who are separated or a parent who might not be as involved. And, you know, there's different ways of, I'm not just saying it for this one, but um, might, you know, giving gifts or just trying to like help out that way. Cause you're not around as much to spend that quality time. Like it totally depends. So I think there's something there for sure, Chris, yeah, that that I, would influence. I think so too, but I, I venture to think whether or not that's more with healthy relationships than unhealthy yeah. parent child relationships. Cause I'm just thinking of all those clients who are say, um, like later on as adults, well, I never felt loved by my parents because they never, showed up to my game. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. never told me that they loved me. They never, or uh, my parents were separated and one of the parents always sent the gifts, but it didn't mean anything because I just wanted them to say, I love you. Yeah. Right? 
Right. So, yeah, I think depending on that dynamic, it, it, it has to be influenced somewhere, but I wonder if it's just maybe the healthier relationships in someone's life that kind of guides or molds that more. Mm -hmm. And maybe as you get older, you'd be like, you know, as a kid, you just want, you know, maybe they played with me or, you know, they feed me and you might want to care about quality time or different things as time goes on or not. Um, but, yeah. but one, one thing to add to the, when you noted the differences there, Brooke, about how this could be, you know, for kids or coworkers is that your love language could differ depending on that relationship. So just because it's quality time in your, with your partner doesn't mean, you know, you might seek that with a coworker or you might with a sibling or something like that. So, um, it would change. Yeah. True. Yeah. I, I bet it changes over the course of your life as well. I remember uh, I have a memory popped into my mind or, uh, my dad was like, Christopher or Chris. I'm like, I, was, I heard him I'm like, yeah, he's like, Chris. And I kind of ignore him. It's like, Chris. I'm like, yeah, yeah, dad, I know you love me. It was, it was that. And then he, he of course, uh, he, he got a kick out of that. But as a teenager, though, I'm sure they wanted quality time and whatnot. The last thing I kind of wanted to do, though, right? Um, so I think based on your development, I'm sure there's certain ways that you want to be loved and cared for, maybe not the healthiest ways. Um, but I think there's a maturity to that too, or maybe as, as you get older, you may start to appreciate those love languages differently. Mm -hmm. I think you're right. And I think, yeah, I even read that he noted it could even change occasionally. Day, like if you had a really bad day, you might actually seek out a hug that you might not usually seek out. Um, I think he says there could be that occasional change. Um, yeah, in the day to day. So. Sure. And I think even when you take the test, it kind of, in the end, it just kind of rank orders them. Like it's, it's yeah. not really saying you're you this and nothing else, right? It's more yeah. like this is maybe more predominant. You're more of a tasks person than a touch person yeah. <laughs> and a telling person. I'm going back to the tease there, Brooke, sorry. Oh, I picked up on that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I think there's, I think we could have, certainly different ones for different moments or, or some that are also really important love languages that are just not the most prominent one. Right. Yeah. And I, and just kind of communicating as best you can your needs to your partner or asking your partner what their needs are and communicating that <clears throat> and checking in of what might fill their, their bucket. If you're unsure or if, or if it might change or whatever. I, I like this discussion because it's, I mean, honestly, this, this, I've really only thought about love languages in terms of um, partners relationships, you know, and, and the idea that it can extend to other people as well really makes a lot of sense. Um, and even as we're talking about parent child stuff, you know, I've, I've got a couple kids and as we're talking about this, I'm thinking, well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll spoil mine. And I think my main love language is, is the acts of service. I, I like to do things for people. You know, help help them out, give them something through uh, an act. Um, but I think my kids are are different. My my oldest is more of a quality time person. Like that's I think that's how he extends his love, and I think that's how he receives it too. Just by hanging out, he's the one to just say, "Hey, let's just sit and watch a movie, or let's uh, 
you know, just hang around at the, hang around in the, in the afternoon in the yard doing stuff, you know, whatever it might be, just spending time together. The younger one is definitely a, uh, a gifts one. He, you know, when I come back from a trip or something like that, he's like, what'd you bring me? <laughs> what, what do I got? What, give me something. <laughs> or um, definitely receives it that way. Uh, so yeah, I'm sure that there are uh, environmental differences, uh, you know, things that happen in the person's environment, the way they're grown, they're born, you know, but is this, it is interesting. Is this nature or nurture? You know, is this uh, more a temperament thing or a, uh, a result of early childhood experiences? <laughs> Who knows? Yes. I'm curious. Um, you mentioned that your preference in terms of showing love was acts of service. How about mm -hmm. your preference for receiving love? Yeah. Yeah. I think would it be the same or, uh, I think I'm, I think I'm a little, yeah, I think I might be different. I, I, I think acts of service is how I show my love. Um, but I think maybe the, um, the words, the words of affirmation might be important for me. Um, whether that's verbally or written, you know, something like that. Mm -hmm. I think that, I think that means a lot to me when someone can, express it in that way. So yeah, that might be the, the way that I receive it the most. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I think it creates good conversation and that it's also be, you know, for people to be mindful if they're like, you know, I prefer to, you know, give love in this way, but it's not necessarily about that if you learn that your partner receives it in a different way. So it's not yeah. going to be like, well, you have to change to what I prefer to do. It's like, oh, I got to actually switch what my my output is based on what I'm hearing from you. Um, and yeah, I think being open to that. Cool. Yeah. Chris, uh, Chris just, uh, I'm going to say it, message Ryan in our page here. You're great, Ryan. I appreciate your authenticity, kindness, and humor. There you go. I receive it, Chris. I feel so loved right now. Wow. Great. That's it's true. That's those are really true. warm words. I'm going to copy that down and pin it in my wall. <laughs> That's pretty funny. How about you guys? What do you what do you think your love languages are? Brooke, I know you're all about touch, right? Yeah, I know Brooke's physical touch is like five. <laughs> <laughs> I say that in jest. Um, yeah, yeah. No, my top one, I believe, is quality time. Uh-huh. And probably followed with like acts of service, I would think. Yeah. 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 If attunement was on there, it would be that like Yeah. You know, yeah, being here and present and attuned. But I think really that's everyone's. I think you're right. That's that's a good yeah. point. Yeah. So is that, a, I got asked the question about uh, giving and receiving, right? So do you think those are aligned for you? Uh, like like you, you, you both, quality time is important for you as you give it and it's also important to you to receive it? I feel like that's probably more how I receive. Uh -huh. Love is through quality time and acts of service but I probably show it through more like acts of service or gifts. Okay. Yeah. And that's my dad shows it through acts of service and my mom throw, shows it through gifts. Interesting. 
but I yeah. I feel most loved with quality time and sometimes the acts of service. They kind of go hand in hand at times. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting because I, I I'm thinking of like when I said the the words of affirmation, which like I have uh, I keep letters from like like old letters from my family and friends and and uh, I even have letters from my mom from when I was a little kid and you know, those she was a writer and she she expressed herself in that way and that was that was, those were meaningful so I think yeah I think as we're talking about nature versus nurture I think uh, you know maybe some of that is kind of does trickle down like that's the way that we first received love and that's something that we maybe take with us you're talking about your family cool I think it's important to note for gifts it doesn't mean you know it's all about just what are you going to give me or you know focus on it's I think the idea that someone intentionally thought of you and wanted to do something or you know like there's some not necessarily all the time I guess but there's some thought put into something so if gifts is up there for someone it's not mm -hmm. a oh, they only care about what they're, you know, give me all the things, spend money on me. I think it's the, the thought that goes behind it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, yeah, I think more for me, like sharing for those who know, like all like, oh, I made you this thing or I saw this little thing and I thought you would like it. So I got it for you or I'm like? going to bring a thing. I'll bring dessert or wine or whatever for dinner. Like, I sure. Just, or think of someone like, like giving gifts that way paying for or helping to pay for someone's education or something like that that's yeah. a gift and very meaningful right yeah yeah sure that's good what about what about you what about you boyd kids yeah this is going to be like a, a research experiment here yes nurture, nurture. Nurture. for for you see both i think it uh depends on the individual or depends on the relationship right so i used to work for an agency and uh, we actually read the book, His Love Languages for Work or Colleagues. I'm not sure what the title was, but um, we did the assessment. I can't remember what the results were. It was many, many years ago. But I would say with colleagues, it's probably more of words of affirmation. Um, I think that was probably pretty consistent and kind of makes sense within that context. Uh, I think with friends, it's probably quality time. I think with family, quality time and affirmations. I think with a partner, it'd probably be, again, quality time affirmations and probably physical touch as well. Um, quality yeah, time so affirmations and physical touch from a partner? That's asking quite a bit there, Chris. Come it on. is. Very demanding. It's like 60% like of the whole thing right there. Yeah. But that could be the order of them for it. Right? Oh, sure. They all could pertain be, to. Yeah, I think there's a variety there. Mm -hmm. I think... Um, as you mentioned, it's not usually one or two, it's a collection sure. of them all. So, uh, but it varies, absolutely. Yeah. So I think that is preferences in terms of receiving, in terms of, um, yeah, in terms of showing it, I think quality time and affirmations are pretty important. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I gotta do the assessment again. It's actually a pretty straightforward one, isn't it? Like 30 questions or- Oh five. yeah, it's a, it's a quick and dirty one. Um, it, 
I asked, sorry to keep referring to this article, but I asked them this question might be interesting for us here. I asked them, does, does the way a person expresses their love always correspond to the way they like to receive it or can there be a difference? And he says, I say that it's a clue. The language they speak most often is probably the one they want, but it's not always. I don't have hard research, but my guess is about 25% of people who speak one language predominantly desire to receive love in another language. Another clue is to know what people complain about most often because complaints are really revealing. If they say, for example, we just don't ever have any time together anymore. We're like ships passing in the night. They're telling you that quality time is their language. Or if you go on a business trip and you come home and they say, you didn't bring me anything. They're telling you gifts are their language. A third clue is to consider what they request most often. If they're saying, honey, can we take a walk after dinner? They're probably asking you for quality time. So it's, it's, mm. even without the test, you might be able to deduce what someone's mm -hmm. love language is, right? Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Very practical. Yeah. Yeah. We all know Joe just likes gifts, right? Give me all the things. Yep. Just no. Um, yeah, no, it, it does vary depending on the person um, with a partner. It would probably be quality time, uh, physical touch, words of affirmation would be probably be my top three. Um, but it's just even interesting, like different people in my family, right? Like I go to first thing is hug hugs. I'm big on hugs, but you know, it's not like everyone in the family is very huggy. So something for like some sibling relationships would probably be more about quality time or words of affirmation. Um, parents said hug would be first physical touch and quality time. So it varies for sure. But it's thinking of my mom, she's good with the words of affirmation and she's good with her little acts of service. She's a very, she's a doer for people. And for friends and the community, she does things for people. She thinks of them and she, she expresses that a lot. And I guess that's a little bit of gifts in there too, because she's just very thoughtful. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting looking at the people in your life and being like guessing what theirs are. Mm -hmm. Okay. Joanna, Brooke, you guys are, you guys are close. You guys are friends, right? And Brooke's, uh, you know, physical affection is at the bottom of the list. Joanna's at the, up at the top, at least with family, close, close people in her life. So how do we navigate this? How do we bridge this difference here? Uh, it's fine. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I know a, a Brooke is not a hugger. Yeah, and I, I don't then demand it. I don't, like, it. for me, I know Brooke's not a hugger. And it's like, okay. Like, I know that if she doesn't hug me, it's not because she doesn't care about me. I think we, there's other ways to, yeah, hang out or um yeah little thoughtful things over the years so yeah i don't think it matters at all not really nothing yeah anything to navigate and i, think, yeah, I try and, and stretch out of my comfort zone to give a very awkward hug <laughs> once in a while like once every 10 times maybe yeah yes. like this like a big like yeah yeah awkward thing but joanna knows what Brooke's preferences are probably deduced what Brooke's preferences are, right? Mm -hmm. So she knows that physical touch is probably not going to be how Brooke receives it. Yeah. yeah. So she's adjusted, right? But there's some consistent ones there. Yeah. Now that's great. And Brooke, you know, I see you in person once, maybe twice a year, and 
And when I first see you, I give you a hug and I know that you don't like it, but I'm going to, I mean, not, I don't know. I don't think I'm violating a boundary here, but. No, 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 no. I hug back. I consent to yes. a hug back. Might be different because I see Joanna and Chris like on a very regular, regular basis. Yes. If I saw exactly. you every day. You wouldn't get a hug every day, but. No, no. Once a year. So I can genuinely hug you. <laughs> and I appreciate that. And after this conversation, I appreciate it even more. It's very yeah. nice. That's good. That's cool. Okay. Well, we've addressed a lot of this. Was there anything we, we missed? Let's see. Um, you know, what are they and how can they, they be helpful in relationships? I, I, I really like extending this conversation to, you know, beyond romantic relationships and, mm -hmm. and just into even friendships and, and other places in life. I think it's really important. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I agree. Because ultimately, we just want to have healthy connections. And totally. We want to, we want other people to know that we do care about them. Of course. So how do we do that in a way that we're comfortable and they're comfortable? Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And our, our sixth love language as attunement or a kind of holding. Or an undercurrent. Yeah, that's kind of an undercurrent, really. I guess it's maybe not a separate one, but we're an overarching one. Um. We'll give Gary a call and see what he thinks about it. Mm -hmm. I'm sure he's Great willing idea. after 29 years, he's probably willing to just scrap the whole thing and start over with our, our new paradigm here. The six love languages. There I'm we sure go. We write another book for the next 30 years. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Now do you think that's, that enhances all the love languages? Can you imagine he's buying someone any gift because you know that they like gifts? Or just say, oh, I you just give feedback that's not super genuine, but you know they like feedback, right? I think you can kind of see through that yeah. pretty quickly. Um, real quick, as kind of a a little bit of a side note here. Um, I had a talk with a client recently about quality time. What does that really mean? You know, what is what is quality time? Uh, is it, you know, we're, we're sitting in a room, same room together, you're working on your laptop, I'm working on mine, or, uh, or we're watching a movie together, we're not talking, but we're both sitting there together watching the movie, or is there something else going on there? What do you, what do you think is meant by quality time? I think, oh, I think it depends on the person. I don't know. I think of, you know, if you're sitting like it's just the quality of it and what value you put on it. Like sitting and doing work parallel to someone, you know, might not really be that you're actually engaging with each other, but a movie might be great because you're sharing that experience. Whereas I think of, but I'm, I'm sure it differs. Like some people might actually want to be like, I don't want to sit and watch a movie. I want to actually chat with you and talk. Um, so I yeah. think it depends on the person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think preference is important and Hopefully there's some consistency in terms of the preferences, but I think it's got to be intentional as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. But so I, it's something about the connecting, something about the either the experience, the shared experience there, mm -hmm. or well, if you're gonna sit and watch a movie, then watch a movie. If if that's the intention and that's the preference of both of you, but one person's on their phone or distracted the whole time, then exactly. that might be 
that's an issue, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So kind of like um, a goal alignment, you're, you're doing something together and you're both wholeheartedly doing whatever that is together. Yeah, but sometimes it's nice just to work in the same room as someone on your laptop. Yeah. Just that close proximity, like, you know, we are social relational beings. I think just being in, in that close proximity can be, can be beneficial. Yeah. Um, that's not always the case. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's something with um, being split-minded. If you're split-minded in the moment, then I don't think that it's quite quality time. What's, what's, how do you mean split-minded, Brooke? Mm, well, kind of more what Chris was referring to. So if you're working next to someone, mm -hmm. you're, you're not fully present or dare I say attuned to the person that you're with because you're actually focusing on something. You're there with them, but you're split and doing whatever it is on the laptop, right? Versus, and same with that person. Like there's a lot of compartments there versus if you're, you're there you're present with that person doing whatever it is then that's going to be very different mm. I yeah. think. and that's uh yeah it doesn't really matter what you're doing but as long as you're there present with each other doing the same thing yeah yeah I get that i think there's yeah i think it, it probably worth maybe a conversation right uh, for some folks hey let's let's work together you know we both have work we need to finish up here tonight you know do you want to do that together does that feel meaningful for you or is that not i mean maybe or maybe that doesn't take the place of actually connecting and and talking and sharing about our day or something like that right so let's be clear on what it is that we're doing and talk about what uh if that's meeting a need or if it's not meeting a need and how that plays into it right yeah communication is key checking in or sharing so. yeah mm -hmm. i think um if uh, our old man was on this podcast joanna and i's dad he would talk about the importance of quality like tea time talk time so every day having uh time to connect and talk about what your day did to you even just 10 minutes each talk about your day but no distractions whatsoever mm -hmm. is important so you would probably have some guidelines there that you would uh, encourage couples to explore or to implement right yeah so mm -hmm. you would probably say that if their idea of quality time is sitting in a room together on their phones you say that's not cutting it you gotta mm -hmm. you gotta do something more intentional together with no distractions mm -hmm. Right, because someone might be like, yeah, I was spending time with you. We literally just sat and did this thing. But you're like, but you were literally on your phone the whole time. That's not good, yeah, or, you know, that's good for me. Or both of them say, oh, we do spend quality time together. And they're just both on their phones. Right. You and would then, see that's problematic as well. So, you know, you have to, yeah. you have to connect intentionally. Yeah. No distractions. And just a quick little thing with what Chris said is um, not only talking about yeah, he said what it means by what the day did to you, because a lot of people might be like, well, what'd you do today? Oh, I went to work and I saw this person, blah, blah, blah. But to actually say, what did the day do to you? Meaning like, how are you doing? What are the feelings there? Like, are you stressed? Or, you know, mm. how are you feeling about the day? Not just what did you do? You could list off that, but to actually get to the what, you know, how you doing with that day um, is the difference there. But just a side note, I just think it's a great thing for people to keep in mind. 
Yeah, sure. That's more communication. Yeah, of course. totally. That's a separate going into that realm, but yeah, I, I agree though. I think there's, there's kind of a hierarchy when it comes to uh, levels of intimacy, when it comes, when you're communicating, you know, mm -hmm. I think it goes behavioral, um, mental, emotional. So I think when you're, when you're just talking about behaviors, like here's what I did, you know, I, I washed the car, I went to the store, I did these things, you know, that's, that's sharing something about your life, but it's, it's pretty, that's not very vulnerable. You're not really, it's not a very risky talk to have because it's just stuff you did. Um, when you're talking about mental stuff, maybe sharing thoughts or opinions, you know, oh, well, I believe in this, or I think this is the way things should happen, or, um, hey, did you hear about this news? That's a little more vulnerable because you're sharing your opinions and those are, the, you know, a little more risky, I guess, in some ways people could disagree with you. But then when you get to the, the feeling level, here's how I felt or here's how I feel right now. Um, I think that's the most vulnerable we can get when it comes mm -hmm. to uh, the level of sharing. And, and I, that's I like that that distinction, you know, not just what did you do today, but what did the day do to you is talking on that feeling level. You know, I feel exhausted. I feel energized i feel sad whatever it might be you're you're going to that deeper level that's cool mm -hmm. that's good well i think we covered this topic it was a great topic joe i don't know words of affirmation are not super high for you but i'm going to give them to you no. anyway they're they're like my third they're very important <clears throat> for sure third so, highest yeah, just let but, me hear <laughs> but boy this is a good topic. Thanks, Ryan. I'm really glad you brought it up. I uh, I love talking about this with people, with clients, with everybody. It's a good, good topic. And helpful. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I think it's, I think we did a good job kind of exploring it. So and if people are interested, you could do a little quiz or get the book or Ryan, there's the book for the teens. Um, you can find that as well if you want to look more into that. Oh, yeah. boy. And don't don't assume that your family member, friend, or partner knows that you love what your language. love languages. Mm -hmm. Or oh. knows, yeah, just ask the question and and be vulnerable and and see the words or do the acts or whatever it might be. Right. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Good. It's a good thing to jump into. So I'll add some links in the uh, description of the podcast for a few uh, resources there and. We will go from there. But I will say, if you want to know the Mental Health Bootcamp's love language, Mental Health Bootcamp podcast love language, it is liking or subscribing or telling a friend or four about the Mental Health Bootcamp podcast. So if you like what you hear here, then please uh, spread the news. That's our love language, right? <laughs> so like, subscribe. Apple, Google, Podbean, Audible, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube. Send us a question. Send all of your questions to info at mentalhealthbootcamp.com. Visit us on Facebook and Instagram. And we will see you guys next time. Good night, everybody. Bye.